John 17, verses 20 through 26. As we return to the high priestly prayer, this is God's word. Jesus prays this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved me, loved them, even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with you, with me where I am, to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is God's word. Let's go to him now in prayer. O oh Lord our God, these are indeed deep waters. We are overwhelmed with your glory as we listen to you pray. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us to pray like you pray, and that you would increase our love for you, Lord God, for one another, and for the world. Would you hear us now, for we offer these things in the name of Jesus. It is in you, Lord Jesus, that we stand. You are our confidence, our hope, and I pray that you would be near to us now by your Spirit, through your Word. What a gift. We thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you know who this is? This is legendary game show host Chuck Woolery. And from 1983 to 1994, he hosted a syndicated game show called Love Connection. For 11 years, 2,120 episodes, Chuck helped men with mullets <laughs> and women with shoulder pads. Find true love through a series of funny, often disastrous, blind dates. Love Connection was goofy. Love Connection was cringeworthy. But ultimately, Love Connection was endearing because we were rooting for these people. We wanted them to find true love. We wanted them to have little mullet-headed sons and shoulder-padded daughters we wanted them to live happily ever after. Why? Because I think all of us, no matter who we are or where we are, young or old, rich or poor, men or women, we are all looking for someone to love. That's why we read uh, romance books, novels, and watch rom-com movies. It's why we sing love songs and write love poetry. It's why people of my generation used to make mixtapes. Did anyone make mixtapes out there? Now, I hate to brag, but I was the Michelangelo of mixtapes. Listen, I could go Richard Marks to Luther Vandross. I'd mix in some Lionel Richie, Endless Love. 
I gave Kate a mixtape 21 years ago, and uh, we celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this summer. So I think that speaks for itself, but, but I digress. The question we're going to ask today is, where do we find true love? Where do we find a love that's high and wide and deep and long? Where do we find a love that serves Where do we find a love that saves? How do we make a love connection that will truly last forever? These are some of the questions we'll be asking this morning as we return once again to the gospel according to John and specifically to the high priestly prayer of Jesus. The prayer that Jesus prayed for us, for the church, in the garden on the night before he died on the cross for our sins. Now, you'll remember, if you, before the Advent season, that in the first part of the prayer, Jesus prayed for glory. Jesus wants us, his people, to see and savor and share the glory of God. He wants God to take our breath away. He wants us to be amazed by God's grace. He wants us to be so enamored with the glory of God that we would enjoy him forever and ever. That's part one. In part two of the prayer, Jesus shows us who he's praying for and what he's praying about. Who's on his prayer list? The answer is everyone who believes. You don't have to be rich. You don't have to be famous. You don't have to be handsome like me. You don't have to be a Presbyterian. Shocking, I know. You do have to be forgiven. You do have to repent of your sins and believe that Jesus and Jesus alone is the righteousness that we need, the grace that we find, the hope that we have. It is all in him. If you believe that, if you've given up trying to save yourself and believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, then Jesus himself is praying for you every single day. Amazing. What's on his prayer list? Well, we saw unity, endurance, holiness, and joy. Jesus wants us to be united to him and to one another. Jesus wants us to finish well. Jesus wants us to enjoy our lives. Jesus wants us to be a little bit weird, but in a good way. He wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. He wants us to be exceptional. He wants us to stand out, to be unique and secure in our calling in him. Now today, in the third part of the prayer, Jesus is praying about love. Not only can you hear that word, you can sense his love for his disciples, including us, as he prays, verse 26, I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So how does that happen? How do we experience on a deeper level the love of God through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. Well, if you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. As we walk through these seven verses, learning to pray like Jesus prayed and to love like Jesus loved, we'll see that Jesus is praying for us to make three love connections. First, he wants us to make a love connection with God. That's part one. Second, he wants us to make a love connection with God's people, the church. That's part two. And finally, we'll see that God wants us to make a love connection with the world. For people who don't know him, for people who don't think that they need him at all, for people who are hurting, Jesus wants us to love them with the love of God. So Jesus wants us to love God and the church and the world. How do we do that? Well, let's take a closer look. First big idea, Jesus wants us to make a love connection with God. Verse 20, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Now, there is a lot in those few short verses. We could probably spend the rest of our lives unpacking what Jesus is praying for the church. But I want us to focus on just a few short words from the last verse in that section, verse 23, and it's this. Life-changing, revolutionary, even as you love me. Jesus is saying that because the gospel is true, because Jesus died on the cross and rose again, because we have been united to Jesus by faith, because we have hope not only in this life but in the world to come, God the Father loves us even as he loves God the Son. Now that that implies at least two things, many things, but at least two things about our love connection with God. Through Jesus, we experience the same measure of love that the Father has for the Son, the same measure, but we also experience the same manner of love that the Father has for the Son. Let's unpack that. By the measure of God's love, I mean that if you could measure God the Father's love for God the Son in kilometers or inches or or miles or centimeters, then God the Father's love for you would be exactly the same as his love for his own Son, Jesus Christ. In other words, if If God the Father's love for God the Son would be a 10 out of 10, then God the Father's love for you would also be a 10 out of 10. Or if you're a Spinal Tap fan, an 11 out of 11. It's exactly the same. That's what it means to be united to Jesus by faith. Now just think about the implications of that. Think about how different your life would be and how different my life would be 
if we really and truly believe that God the Father loves us even as he loves the Son? Why are you always insecure? Why are you so down on yourself? Why do you think that you're unlovable? Why do you think that you're unworthy? Why are you always settling in your relationships, in your career, in your work, in your living situation? Why do we let people treat us like absolute garbage? Why do we put artificial limits on our happiness? Why do we put artificial limits on our success? Why can't we speak up for ourselves? Why can't we claim the promises of God? I think it's because all of us deep down believe I'm not worthy of God's promises. I'm not worthy of God's love. Now, in a sense, that's true. Apart from Jesus, we are not worthy of God's love. We are sinners who desperately need God's grace. But it is also true that if we believe in Jesus, the moment that we believe in Jesus, whether that was 70 years ago or 7 minutes ago, the moment we trust in Jesus Christ, God the Father loves us even as he loves the Son. Same measure of God's love is poured into our hearts the moment we believe. Now, by the manner of God's love, I mean that God the Father loves us in many of the same ways that God the Father loves the Son. God the Father took care of Jesus every day of his life, and God the Father takes care of us every day of our lives. God the Father listened to Jesus when he prayed, and God the Father listens to us when we pray. He never abandoned Jesus. He was with Jesus every day of his life, even in his moments of of doubt and fear, even as he died on the cross in our place, even as he sweat uh, drops of blood, even as he wore the crown of thorns. He never abandoned his son. And no matter what you're going through today, no matter what you went through last year, no matter what you will go through in this new year, he will never abandon you, even as. Even as. Those words are as true as anything else in all over the world. God the Father loves us even as God the Father loves God the Son. In Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus, before he departed and poured out his Holy Spirit on the church, said, And behold, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. In Psalm 23, King David told us, Even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, We will fear no evil, for he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. If you are a Christian, that is the good news of the gospel. You are loved, even as the Father loves the Son. Same manner, same measure, and nothing, nothing in heaven or earth can separate you from His love. Second big idea. God the Father 
wants us to have a love connection with the church. Verse 21, that they, the church, may all be one. Verse 22, that they may be one even as we are one. Verse 23, that they may become perfectly one. Jesus is absolutely clear that for us to be whole, we have to be one. We have to deeply love God's people, the church. So what does that look like? What does oneness look like in the church? Is it kind of a marketing thing that we all use the same logos and the same language? Do we all have to wear the same clothes? Do we all have to be rooting for the same college football teams? I hope not. Uh, what does oneness look like in the, in the church? Can, can we agree to disagree about our views of the, of the events of the day or, or about theological issues? How much disagreement may we have in order for unity and oneness to grow in the life of the church? Well, oneness can and often does look like many things, but three things came to my mind when I think about oneness in the church. First, I think oneness looks a lot like generosity. Oneness looks like a willingness to share our resources with those in need. Oneness looks like a, a willingness to pool our resources together so that we can have greater impact together than we could as individuals. In Acts 4, we read this about the connection between unity and generosity in the earliest days of the church. Acts 4. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all, and there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. My friends, I am so, so thankful that Pinewoods Church is a generous church. There, there is generosity happening in the life of this congregation that I will never see and that you will never see things that would absolutely take your breath away. And they do. I learn about them sometimes, usually after the fact, and I'm blown away by the generosity of this church. I won't give you all the numbers, but if you look in your bulletin, there's a little column in there called 2023 Stewardship at a Glance. Have you seen those numbers? They, they are absolutely incredible. Your generosity is incredible. God is clearly blessing our church, and I think he's preparing us for something big. I think that 2024 is going to be a unique year in the life of our church. I think God is going to use us to do some amazing things to bless our community, and I think we're going to see more baptisms. I think that we're going to see more conversions. 
I think that we're going to see more life groups formed and DNA groups for discipleship, nurturing, and accountability. I think we're going to see more men's groups and women's groups. I think we're going to see more meals that are served and more single moms who are loved and cared for and more single dads who are mentored and more babies' lives that are saved and more soup kitchens that are formed and coats that are given to the homeless I think our youth group, which is growing like crazy, is going to continue to grow as more and more young people have a life-changing encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people look to the future, and they're very worried. I look to the future, and I'm as excited as I could be. God is raising up a new generation of Christian people in our day that I think is going to put my generation to shame These young people are going to have deeper faith than I have. They're going to have life-changing encounters with the world. And I'm so excited about it. It all starts with unity. And unity begins with generosity. Giving generously helps us have a deep love connection with the church. Second, I think oneness looks a lot like diversity. If you look at the early church, we had Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. We had people come to faith from Ethiopia. They were all all over the place. Men and women coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ, under his lordship, under his grace. I I think it looks a lot like ethnic diversity. It looks like different races and different people groups coming together as one to worship the Lord together, sometimes learning from one another as we learn to worship in unique ways. I think it looks like economic diversity as rich people and poor people come together in one place without any envy, without any entitlement. It looks like oneness. It looks like temperamental Uh, diversity. It doesn't matter where you are on the Enneagram or the Myers-Briggs. You could be an INFP or an ENFJ. I think I'm an ESPN. Um, (laughs) Wherever you are, whatever number you are, whatever letter you are, we are one in Jesus Christ. And though it is perhaps an unwanted cliche, in this sense, Diversity is truly our strength as we learn from one another, as we use our different temperaments and talents and abilities to become much more than we could ever be as lone ranger Christians trying to live the Christian life on our own by ourselves. I think it looks like theological diversity. I think it looks a lot like knowing the difference between core salvation issues and issues where good, faithful Christian people can agree to disagree. It looks like rather than being uh, partisan in our approach to the church, it looks like being more cooperative as we serve God side by side with our neighbor congregations in, in our neighborhood and on this very street, loving and serving people in the name of our common Savior, Jesus Christ. Oneness means focusing on what unites us and not on what divides us. Jesus wants us to be united. He wants us to be one. Third, I think that oneness looks like forgiveness. In the Bible, sin divides people. 
I mean, just think about what happened with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. They, at the very start, God created man. He said, this is very good. He created Eve from Adam's rib. He said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. They were united to God. They were united to one another. And then they sinned. And when they sinned, eating the forbidden fruit, rebelling against the God who created them, everything in their lives began to fall apart. When they sinned, they were alienated from God. They were alienated from one another. They hid themselves from God. They literally covered themselves with fig leaves. They blamed each other for eating the forbidden fruit. Adam even had the temerity to blame God for creating Eve. Can you believe it? And yet, how often do we, in our own way, do the same thing? How did they come back together again? How do we come back together again? The answer is forgiveness. God forgave them. And through his forgiveness, they learned to forgive one another. In Genesis 3 verse 15, God promised to send a seed of the woman, a second Adam, who would do for Adam and Eve and all their children, including us, what they could not do for themselves. He would live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death so that we might live. He would be hated by the world so that we might be loved by God and all the saints and all the hosts of heaven. God forgave us in Christ, and therefore we should forgive one another. Since there is no condemnation for us, there should be no condemnation from us. Do you have that kind of love connection with the church? Do you love deeply the people of God? We experience that love connection when we practice generosity, when we celebrate diversity, and when we experience forgiveness. Third big idea, last one. Jesus wants us to have a love connection with the world. Jesus wants us to love people who don't yet know Jesus. He wants us to love people who are sick. He wants to love people who are dying. He wants us to love people who are sitting by themselves and feel like they have lost hope. People who need something that only God can give. Verse 18, As you sent me into the world... So I have sent them into the world. Verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 23, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. We are called to love people with our words. That's why we send missionaries out into the world. That's why we plant churches. That's why we preach and teach and evangelize. But if we stop there, we've stopped short of what God has called us to do. We are also called to love the world with our actions we are called to go into the world loving and serving and helping people in jesus name we are called to build hospitals we are called to give food to the hungry and coats and blankets to those who are cold people who are brokenhearted to comfort them and give them hope there are many arguments 
for the truth of Christianity. I've heard many of them. I'm sure you have too. And they're worthwhile arguments. But the greatest argument for the truth of Christianity isn't an argument at all. The greatest argument for the truth of Christianity is love. We are sent into the world with a message of God's love, and we are sent into the world as messengers of God's love. When we love people with our words and with our deeds, the world sees, however imperfectly, the perfect redemptive love of Jesus, our Savior and our King. In John 13, Jesus said, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I was reading this week, because I'm curious about things like this, uh, the Chinese calendar 2024 is the year of the dragon. I think it's the year of the lamb. I think it's the year of the dove. I think it's the year of God's love. I think it's the year of God's peace. It's a, it's a year to renew our love for God. If that slipped a little bit last year, start again. Go to God in prayer Read the word. Join God's people in worship and expect to meet him there. Your life will never be the same again. It's a year to renew your love for the church, to get plugged in, maybe to get re-plugged in after you've uh, slipped away during the holiday season. It happens to all of us. Or maybe to get plugged in for the very first time, to begin to trust people for the very first time. Maybe you've been hurt by the church and you need to walk in faith, trusting that God will surround you with people who are a lot like you in God's body. It's a year to renew our love for the world, to go and to give and to serve in Jesus' name and for his sake. And remember that when you are tired, when you are anxious, when you are afraid, when you have missed every New Year's resolution that you have made at the beginning of the year, Remember that Jesus is not done with you. He is praying for you today, and he is praying for you every day. He wants you to, have, to make love connections that last forever, that are wide and long and high and deep, and that will fill you with the fullness of God. That's his prayer for you. I'm merely the messenger, but I'm praying it too. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us, which is indeed high and wide and deep and long. Lord, your love encourages us when we're discouraged. Your love strengthens us when we're weak. Your love emboldens us when we are afraid. I pray, Lord God, that as we enter into this new year, 2024, that we would do so deeply loving you, deeply loving the church, and deeply loving the lost. Lord, we thank you for loving us, though we are unworthy of your love. In Jesus, you love us, even as you love the Son.
Hear our prayer. We make it in his name. Amen.